This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first ever We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm going to be your host uh, for this ride along. My name is Tim Trockenbroke. My co-host is Brian Travis, and we are super excited to get this first episode, uh, get it rolling. We've been talking about it for a few months, and uh, it's an idea we've kicked around the conference room and finally bought a bunch of equipment, bought some mics, cables, buttons. I mean, we at least look good. We may not do a good job with this, but we look good in here. It looks legit. Gives us a platform that we feel like we can connect with customers, anglers, our pro staff, and really just bring it all together and talk about fishing techniques, products that we have, maybe new and upcoming things, um, and really just let us relate who we are as a company with anybody out there willing to listen to you and I sit around this table and talk. Well, we don't know how many people will be willing to listen to us, but uh, we are excited. This is kind of a really kind of a behind-the-scenes look that we're trying to give folks, uh, not only into the company and and how it got to be where it is, but the product. Um and then the, the pros and, and fishermen even here at work that use it, um, getting some insight on little tips and tricks that they like to do and, and how they like to set up their boats and um, just kind of really wanted to let everyone know that we're down to earth. We wanted to be able to just show kind of what goes on here and give a, uh, a look behind the curtain of a, of a boat company. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things that have made Phoenix so successful is the team of people that work here. Um, there's so many people that fish, you know, that are eat up with this industry, have a passion for the industry and the sport of bass fishing. And I think it shows in everything that we do, you know, from the design of it all the way to the end customer service, uh, pat on your back, uh, Tim T hitting all the chat boards there, but, there uh, but the passion really shows. And, and I think you see it in everything that we do. Yeah. And to piggyback on what you you were saying there, Brian, um, I think a lot of people would be shocked if they, um, haven't had the opportunity to come by and, and see our plant and, and do a plant tour, um, that it's a it's a growing company, but it's a still very close knit, almost family like uh, company. Absolutely, I mean, we, we try to eat lunch together most days. Um, a lot of us hang out after hours after mm-hmm. work, you know, uh, whether we're fishing or hunting or uh, kids' birthday parties or whatnot. Um, you see a lot of the same faces on the weekends as you do throughout the week, so it really you know goes into that family atmosphere you're talking about. Yeah, that was one of the things that when I first started here that really drew me uh, to this company. I've been uh, with Phoenix about seven years now. Um, I am the customer service manager here. Um, never saw myself in that role. I always wanted to be in a uh, an outdoor industry um, company, but I didn't really know where to start or where to look at. Um, ended up looking for a boat and ended up here. <laughs> Got a boat later, but uh, ended up with a job, which was probably more important than the boat at the time, uh, even though it was tough to convince myself of that. Yeah, it's hard to have a boat without a job, but <laughs> you and I are similar in some ways and different in others. I, I honestly didn't uh, see myself in the outdoor industry. Um, I'm the controller here. I've uh, been here about nine years after about an 18-month job interview where I contracted through a CPA firm, and um, you know, I'm the bean counter, but one thing I love about being here is we get to be so hands-on in so many different areas. You know, your customer service, I'm accounting, but we get to help with marketing. We get to go over and, and help with stuff in the plant on design things. Um, and I think that's something that's amazing, but I was on a different path. I would have thought I'd own a CPA firm right now and uh, just got lucky enough to, to mesh what I love about the outdoors and hunting and fishing uh, with, this, with the company and the opportunity. I think you hit on that too really well, um, the design part. It is a company that's built by anglers for anglers, and we say that, but it really does um, 
sometimes we have ideas that will bounce off of anyone here and, and throw some on the wall and some stick and some don't, but it really is cool to have a, uh, a hands-on kind of, um, influence, I guess, on some of the products that we put out. Um, yeah, that's I, been one of my favorite things, uh, as this company's grown and, and coming up with new ideas and stuff. It's, uh, now in no way are we boat designers, <laughs> but we know where we want to put our water bottle. Maybe we need a cup holder there or right. how we may want to organize some tackler rods and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's been a really cool process. It has, and I think that's something that, that's hard to argue is, is every step that we do take and anything that we do to improve our product is because we see a need for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're out on the water on the weekends. Me, personally, I've got four small kids, so most of my fishing comes at night. Um, <laughs> but that gives me a different angle to look at things than some people. Um, you know, So we all take our experiences while we're out on the water, uh, rub rail testing, and uh, check it out and put some of that stuff into the boat. Yeah, the rub rail test, uh, that is code for around the office of I'm going to go fish for a couple hours and uh, check out the rub rail, make sure it's on there nice and snug. That's right. <laughs> we all like to have those days. Yeah, we used to have a little bit more of those, but it's uh, it's been really cool to see this company grow um, from at least the seven years I've been here, and you've been here longer. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I came on board um, when we were still in Tullahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll get into the detail a little bit later, but uh, came on board with that, and then we moved to Winchester, and just to see the growth and the growth of the company, the people that we've got on board with us now, um, production and the office both has just been amazing to watch. All the new models that have come out in the last several years, uh, you know, we just launched out the 921 Elite and the 920 Elite. Um, you know, your viral YouTube video on the uh, sliding tackle storage system. Let's preface viral because viral <laughs> is 15,000 views, quote unquote, is not viral. And though we're Facebook views, so I don't know if we can really take credit for that, but it's more views than I've ever had on a video. Well, uh, that may be true, but I do think you, you, you're hitting it on the head. And we really just wanted this platform to, uh, I mean, man, just to talk to people, talk to pros, just let some p- information out there. Um, about the product, about what's going on here, and uh, and kind of how it's uh, out there in the world, in the real world. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people, what, what we want to translate through, and what I'm hoping our, our listeners will find is that uh, they'll find a really in-depth, relaxed conversation going on with us in some mm-hmm. of our podcasts. You know, I really want to have something where you really get to know us, you really get to know whoever we may be talking to that day, um, not necessarily just the uh, hot topics that a lot of people may cover, you know, we'll hit on some of those, but really get to know who they are as a person. Um, you know, what do they what do they like to do outside of fishing, stuff like that. You know, really open up the uh, the avenues there for communication. Yeah, you're a big backstory person. You like to know the history and where folks come from. And I, I got to think that sometimes that helps people understand, too, uh, how that person is today. You know, it's all about where you came from. Um, so, yeah, well, I'm, I'm really excited to get this going. Um, this is new. This is not something I've ever done before. Um but I'm excited. I think it's going to be good, and uh, you'll probably be able to tell throughout this, we don't have a script. We're just two guys talking yeah. into some microphones right now and, That's right. and figuring it out as we go, hitting buttons and hoping they're uh, they're the right ones. Yeah, and, and you may hear some cheap shots fired across the table, but we're close friends, so it's all in good fun and good humor. Yep. Uh, let's just preface that now. He is the godfather of uh, one of my children. So Working on that second one, though. Yeah. I'm well, all in for that. Like his 18-month interview process, a godfather is not something I take lightly, so... <laughs> He is going to have to work his way up. And with this being the first episode, you know, I couldn't think of anyone better um, for us to have in here than Gary Klaus and Teresa Johnson, uh, two of the founders of Phoenix Boats. Um, Unfortunately, Gary is fishing the uh, Elite Series, so we're definitely going to have to uh, catch up with him when his schedule allows. But 
uh, Teresa, who's kind of been behind this whole podcast uh, idea and pushing it forward, uh, agreed to spend some time with us and uh, give us some backstory on Phoenix. Yeah, they started this back in 2007. Um, and it'll be interesting to get her take on it. I know we've heard the story of the birth of Phoenix several times, but every time I hear it, I get new details. I do too. And, and new stuff that, that really opens my eyes. And at the end of the day, it was such a bold move. It really I, was. I don't know that I have the courage to step out on a limb like that and do it and to, to believe in each other so much and trust each other so much to uh, take on a venture this big. But, but, man, look at where we are now. And on the heels of a recession too. Yes. I mean, it's uh, – up and coming and and they're about to go into a a market that um hadn't really had any new new brands start up for, for quite some time it's actually had been losing some brands right so. they've been losing brands and then consolidating some others and um and like you said that recession hit right whenever they had opened the doors so it'll be interesting to get her take on it because i know Teresa. you know you and i know her very well we work with her very closely um, but I know that she has done everything from HR to marketing to cutting POs, paying bills, reconciling the banks. I mean, she has touched every form and, and aspect of this company from day one. Um, and, and one thing that I, that I love about Teresa that I've grown, grown to respect is part of her style with leadership is that she's got to understand it herself to be able to teach it and to be able to monitor it and make sure it goes well. So she has physically touched every part of this company um, all the way back to uh, even having some times on the production floor actually building boats mm-hmm. so that she can be an effective manager. Um, and I think that's something that we can all respect and uh, really puts her in a position to give us a true backstory of everything that's gone on here. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to get her in here. And, and like you, every time I hear the the story of where Phoenix came from, I do pick up on just something different that makes you go like, oh, okay, now I get it. I mean, that's why that is. And it's a, it's a really great story. I'm excited to get her in here. and uh, Yeah, so just give us a second. Uh, we are going to get a sip of water. Uh, we're going to come right back with Teresa Johnson, COO and uh, co-founder of Phoenix Boats. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today with us is Teresa Johnson, founder and COO, also our boss and the inspiration not only behind this iconic brand, but this podcast in general. Hey. How are you doing today? Good. How are y'all? Can I have Friday off? No. As a matter of fact, we <laughs> All right. We got that out of the way. <laughs> and, and, and if this doesn't show at all right here, risk taker extraordinary. I mean, not only did you leave a job to go start a boat company, but you allowed us to get behind microphones right. and record a and podcast. Rec- and put it out to the public. Yeah. Right? Which yeah. one's scarier, leaving your job to start a boat company or having us do a podcast? <laughs> it's a toss-up right there, Brian. <laughs> it's close. And uh, we'll, we will see. Time will tell. Um, but we do have some some equipment here, and we're pushing buttons and, and figuring it out as we go. Yeah, thank you guys for doing this. Like, you know, above and beyond the call of duty <laughs> to start this podcast. And um, I'm I'm super excited about it. Well, so. we're excited to have you for our first guest. Um Let's go back though, and let's talk about um, Teresa Johnson. Where, where <laughs> did you grow up? How did? Uh, let's start so, there. How did we get we're here? We're going all the way back to the beginning. Let's huh? roll it back. I think it helps. Oh my gosh! You okay. might want to ask where did she not grow up? Yeah, yeah, that right. Might be a smaller <laughs> list. Yeah. So yeah, you guys know um, I'm an Army brat and proud of it. Um, my my dad was m- career military. He was um, in probably 25 years, and um, so I was born in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide-ish. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to go, you know. Anyway, I was born in Tuscaloosa while he was going to graduate school there. And um, 
and then shortly moved after that to a bunch of different places and didn't really spend more than three years in any place through high school. Um, so I've been kind of stable since then in one mm-hmm. place. Middle Tennessee is home. You know, I've been here for so long now that I call it home, but really I grew up all over the country and the world and and really feel like I owe a huge debt of gratitude for those experiences to the U.S. Army. So, you know, kudos to them for mm-hmm. letting a kid from Alabama, my parents were from Mississippi, mm-hmm. so I kind of say I'm from Mississippi too, uh, do all those things in the world. So, so you were in Alabama a short time. You, you, yeah. you say Mississippi is where you're... Yeah, yeah. My do you parents, think that's where you spent your formal years? Well, no, we, you know, I lived there a little bit. My, my parents were really from mm-hmm. there, so I... I have to say my roots were probably in Mississippi from that standpoint. My parents both born and raised in Mississippi. My dad down south in the Biloxi area. My mom in the Delta, Greenwood um, area of Mississippi. So, I'm, you know, I, don't, I always say to people, I don't really have a home. I can't take you to that mm-hmm. place I grew up and say, hey, this is this is where I grew up. Um, but those were my roots, certainly southern roots, mm-hmm. and, and feel like I'm kind of in in the heart of that still too. Right. So <laughs> Well, not only in the South, but you'd also have to buy someone a plane ticket to show where else you yeah, grew up yeah, because you yeah, probably need yeah, a passport because exactly. you were, did some time in Europe <laughs> right. and, and Alaska yeah. too. Yeah. I, it's so funny. And this, this is one of my passwords today, but not on many things. Y'all know what my real passwords are. But <laughs> anyway, um, I grew up one of the addresses, you know how you remember th- mm-hmm. crazy things from your past? 105A Golcana Avenue. That was my address in Alaska. So, you know, <laughs> Why I remember that and retain that information. How big a town was it in Alaska? So that was, we were, we were outside Anchorage. Mm -hmm. So the base was called Fort Richardson. Um, And, you know, I don't, I don't know how big it was outside those, um, that fence really. Really? It was a community of, in and of itself, everywhere you lived on an army base, everyone else moved every two or three years. And so you showed up, you made friends, you played sports and you moved on to the next one. But we had a movie theater and a commissary and everything we needed was right there on base. So. What's the what's the go to staple when someone moves into a base, a uh, new family? Uh-huh. Is it cookies? Is it muffins? I mean, because you're going to be baking all the time if they're constantly moving, getting new neighbors. We never saw any of that actually until we were in civilian world. Then a lot of people do that, bring cookies and whatnot. Then it was what do you, what do you, what sports do you play? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're new. What what do you play? You mm-hmm. know, um, have y'all ever played curveball? I don't think I have. See, I think that's a thing that we kind of we we play in on army bases. We, you take a tennis ball and throw it at a curb and and the and the guys behind you um, are catching back there to make the outs before if you really? can get them by them you you scored and if you don't so it's, it's kind of like a wall ball but yeah. Yeah. with the spin to it an yeah. outdoor wall ball maybe mm-hmm. yeah so we i mean we spoke sports that was really pretty much it you know cuz you had two brothers two brothers grew up with two older brothers yep um we played football a lot i always like to tell the story of i'm the quarterback for both teams mm-hmm. you know, and then there was a whole lot of arguing about well you threw it better to him and not me and so did you was, well of course I mean yeah. I always had a favorite you know <laughs> kind of like uh, now right <laughs> easy bro right. easy so I I did I grew up playing a lot of football softball um, basketball um, mm-hmm. and then played played softball through high school so and that's a good way to get accustomed and meet the people yeah. I mean yeah. Easiest way, you just have to figure out what season you're in yep. whenever you move somewhere, and that's yep. what you're going to do. That's what you do. I got it. Where was high school? So high school was in Beaumont, Texas, actually. Um, I had, well, from from Tuscaloosa. <laughs> let's see. Let let's, me count them down. <laughs> let me get my atlas out real quick. Right. <laughs> so Tuscaloosa to Boston to Mississippi. I'm going to forget one. Let's see. To Germany, Heidelberg, Germany, to Alaska, to Atlanta, to Murfreesboro, to Beaumont, Texas, back to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
That's there we go. It's so. a pretty good haul. It's, yeah, it's hard to remember all that. It is. So <laughs> tell uh, Beaumont, though, you yeah. guys spent a fair amount of time there yeah. for your high school? Yeah, we were there um, for four years, my whole high school um, career there. In fact, um, the big, you know, football is pretty big in Texas. Oh, it you is. Know? So, and the bigger thing, other than being on the football team, is to be on drill team. So I was um, a drill team member in high school. And we, I think we won the 5A championship one year while mm-hmm. I was there. We played in the Astrodome and I got to dance at the halftime show in the Astrodome. That's so, cool. Yeah, it is. It's that Texas is, um, Texas and football are, you know, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So was drill team a logical choice being from a military family? Well, no, no, it's not. It, drill team in, in Texas is, um, it's like, um, the Rockets. It's like a high kick routine kind of dance okay. team. So like um, with the flags so and the... In, yeah. Okay. All the outfits and kicking and splits so. and all that. Anyway, that was that's the thing in Texas is drill team. Uh, sort of like cheerleading. It was more mm-hmm. of a dance form. So um, that's that's what everybody aspired to do there. So. so how did we get back to Middle Tennessee then? So when my dad retired from the Army, we were living... He was We were stationed in Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, we were stationed in... Um, uh, we lived in Stone Mountain area, mm-hmm. and when he retired, and uh, my at the time, my oldest brother had gotten an ROTC scholarship to go to Vanderbilt. So um, he was probably, I think he was in his second year at Vanderbilt, and um, my dad uh, ended up taking a teaching position in Murfreesboro at Middle Tennessee State University. Mm-hmm. Go Raiders! That's right. <laughs> um, and so he taught marketing and management there at MTSU. For a couple of years, so I got that's how I got to Murfreesboro, and then decided, you know what, I'm going to take a another job. We he ended up with a utilities company. He was a purchasing um, materials coordinator, manager type mm-hmm. position, which is kind of what he did in the army was logistics and getting parts and pieces where they needed to go and when they needed to be there. So I took a position um, like that for a utilities company in Beaumont, Texas. So that's how we got there. And when I graduated from high school, I moved back. Mm-hmm. What I considered home. I had seen so many different places all right. over the world, you know. But I thought Middle Tennessee was the best place to be. So, Well, now i just got a little insight because uh, we, Brian and I talked a little bit earlier about how you've kind of done all the jobs here. And yeah. done all the different phases. And I didn't know your dad was in yeah. a purchasing yeah. logistics background. Yeah. So yep. when those questions come up in a meeting now, I get sense. why you <laughs> exactly ask the right questions on this. So that, yeah. I'm getting some insight already. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was kind of fun when Hank and Gary and I started the company. Um, just, we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, you know, well, who's gonna, you know, fill in the blank, right? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna do HR? Oh, well, Teresa will do that. She's done that before. Oh, who's gonna do purchasing? Oh, Teresa can do that. She's good with paperwork. <laughs> um, let's see, who's gonna, um, who's gonna do the accounting? Oh, Teresa, she's, she's probably good at that. Anyway, that was kind of how that went down. So I'd have done quite a few things <laughs> when we started. Well, you had a paralegal, a little bit of paralegal right, background. Right. So you had so, that and yep. then marketing. Yep. Um, yep. So let's, how did we get you, Gary and Hank into a building okay. to start Phoenix from Murfreesboro? So, how'd we get there? Okay. So I had, my background was, um, I had uh, gotten my degree in political science, thought I was going to go to law school, then ended up being offered a job with a manufacturing company who was looking for somebody in HR that had some legal experience. So I, I fit that bill for him and went to work there. Fell in love with manufacturing. I don't know what it is, but I don't know how if you all feel this way, but when you leave here and you know we built four boats or five boats or six, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like just knowing that that's how you have contributed in the world is really a cool um, thing, I think. So yeah. I've always really been attracted to manufacturing. And I love the people that build products. Like I, I just, 
the people part of it. it's a cool job. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's fun. It's Americana. Yeah, it is very much so. And so, um, I did that and I was in human resources. I was a human resources manager, big plant, uh, union facility, six, 700 people, three shifts, um, for a few years and, um, decided to get my MBA. So I did that while I was working. And, um, I decided my daughter was young at the time and I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a little sabbatical and finish my MBA. And I did. And I'd been, um, I had left that company for a couple of um, months and I had a friend who was a boat rep and he called me and he's like, Hey, the boat plant, um, needs a new HR person. I was like, cool. Yeah. I'm, I, I, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially build, uh, considering the products that I was building at the time and manufacturing prior to that. So I was really interested in that. And, um, he said, yeah, call Gary Klaus. Here's his number, you know. So I called Gary and, hey, I hear you need an HR manager. He's like, yeah, yeah, come talk to me. <laughs> so anyway, that's how Gary and I met. Um, he had recently been hired from, he was he was at Triton as the national sales manager at that time, and he had been recently hired by Genmar to be the president and general manager of um, Stratus. Mm-hmm. So, and that was located in Murfreesboro. So anyway, met him there. Um, Hank Baker was the sales director at that time. So that's kind of how the three of us met. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is 2001? That was 2001, or spring, March time frame of 2001. Okay. Yep. So y'all were there, and yep. uh, then you started to do some marketing as well? Yeah, so we um, went, what had happened, the way we got there was that OMC had owned Stratus prior to that, and mm-hmm. they had filed bankruptcy in 2000, right, right at the end of 2000. 2000. Right. So yeah. we, we, they shut the plant down and we came in in 2001. Jim Mar bought them out of bankruptcy and hired us and we show up and we have to basically build it, right? Mm-hmm. It was a closed down building and everybody was gone. So we went in and started hiring employees back and uh, getting the boats going again. And most of the management team came back. They'd been off a couple of months and they came back. And so um, somewhere in probably 2000, Four, Gary asked me to take over marketing as well. So I had marketing and human resources at Stratus. And then somewhere in in that same time period, Genmar bought Champion Bass Boats, which had gone bankrupt in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and bought that and brought that over to us. So we ended up with that line, building that line of boats as well, which had a saltwater, a couple of saltwater boats and um, and bass boats. And that was really fun to take that brand on and, and get into that saltwater mm-hmm. market a little bit with bay boats. So... Um, we kept those, you know, bought those companies up to where they were somewhere in about 2005, six, we decided, you know, we might want to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, when you guys decided to leave, it was you, Gary Klaus and yep. Hank, Hank Baker. Baker. Mm-hmm. We left, uh, it was February 1st, 2006. Coming right up on that anniversary. That's right. That'll be tomorrow. Oh my gosh. You're right. I never yeah. thought about that. That's fantastic. Yeah, sure was. So here you are, single mom, <laughs> single mom, yeah. walking away from a job, yeah, to yep. go to go pursue a passion and a dream. Yep. So how did that uh, the time frame between February two thousand six and the day we opened the doors in two thousand seven? How did that go for you? You know, um, there was a lot of planning meetings. Um, you know, it well, and there was a lot of fishing that happened <laughs> during that time too. Uh, Gary and Hank. Um, enjoyed that. What happened for me during that time while we were planning the company was I had, I bought a retail business that was for sale and, and thought this will be a, you know, a good way to learn some things about business and 
being self-employed and whatnot. And um, so I did that. So Hank and Gary would come to that business when they had when we had a meeting. So they'd come in. And, the Phoenix and Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, you know, we just started planning. You know, what? How are we going to do this? What did we want? What did we want to tool? What was the first boat? What, mm-hmm. Where were we going to build? You know, all those kinds of things. But y'all had a blank slate, and there's no book for this. Right. That's right. That's uh, wrapping my head still <laughs> as we hear this story, and I've, I've heard it a couple times. I still pick up on stuff. Y'all had to say, okay, what's day one? Yeah. What's day two? Yeah. What do we do? <laughs> do we have a name yet? Do we? What? What's right. the boat going to be called? What's the model line? I mean, that's right. And then it doesn't even begin to tickle the surface of where we're going to get materials, where we're going to build them. Right. And that's just a, a list that y'all probably had to keep crossing stuff off on. We did, and it was every day was a new day. Like every day was something else. We had to find a tool to build, to make this happen. You know, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a book, there wasn't a script. It was just, you come in and, okay, today we're going to wrestle this problem or that project or this next phase of this company. I mean, on day one, it was, you know, what do you do? The three of us walked in the door of a facility that we had rented and said, okay, what are we going to do today? Mm -hmm. And Today was we're gonna paint the walls in the office, you know. <laughs> so we argued a little bit over the colors because Hank really needed a Kentucky blue in there. And it, anyway, it was that was a long <laughs> story. But but yeah, and then you know resin and and mold and Greg Greg Strom came on pretty quickly thereafter and and started tooling the first Phoenix, the seven twenty one. And we knew you know and, and f- truly anticipated that taking eighteen months. Like we really were prepared for the long haul on that we wanted to tool the right boat mm-hmm. um and and we we're going to take our time doing it so. Mm-hmm. so in that time period of 18 months you guys are uh got a facility now mm-hmm. um did we have a name yet no um we did not have a name we we were working on that mm-hmm. um so we incorporated the company as the last names of the founders so we came up with a name so we incorporated the company cjbbb inc and then we started on, well, what are we going to call this boat? What is going to be the brand that we're going to build? And, and again, we weren't going to come up with that overnight. Right. Um, you guys know Gary. Mm-hmm. He's going to think about something for a while. Right. And so we did. And we had, we had some, we threw around names all the time. We had some, lots of different options. And um, one time we were at a meeting with our first uh, investor who he really, you know, kind of put us out there in the world, pitching our story to people, telling them what we were doing and, um, he used to call us new co standing for new company. Mm-hmm. And one day he just out of the blue looked over and pointed at us and said that Phoenix company over there. And it just like a light bulb went off. Right. right? You know, you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's who it. we are. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how it got named. And it so, stuck. Yeah. And then you go to, okay, now we got to have a logo. We got a name, mm. you know, there's just, is a, a list of things you got to have. What took longer, the logo or the name? Oh, the Name. Name. Yeah, the name for sure. Mm. Yeah. So when we got the boat company, we got a name now. We're still working on the boat. Yeah. How did we get the iconic bow wings? Mm-hmm. How did that come about? So Greg was in the tooling shop. He had a separate building, and which is kind of weird. We we had an empty building for manufacturing. <laughs> we had a separate building for Greg for tooling, and he was working on the hull. And um, when he felt like he got that dialed in we he would hang up a hall and on a hoist and we would go out there and t- everybody had a roll of tape and we just start taping off graphics that we liked mm-hmm. um, on that hall and look at it take a picture pull it all off do some more and anybody could go out there and do that you know and I did it Gary did it and 
And one day, and I don't, I can't really say, maybe Greg knows, maybe Gary remembers, I don't know. Uh, I would say Greg Strom gets all the credit, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we go out there and the boat's been taped up in the graphics you see today. And again, light bulb goes on. Mm -hmm. Like it's just that moment where you're like, yes, that's that's it. it." You don't know what it is, but when you see it, that's right. That's it. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That is pretty good. So at that point, uh, you got the 721 tooled, yep. which is which is obviously uh, one of the flagship models. It's been around the longest. Um, yep. And then at what point do you guys start realizing we need to start developing more models? You know, when do you see that in the business plan? Oh, I mean, immediately, right? You, once you get that one going, you've got you send one team on to to making molds, and you're on to the next one. You know, it there's no there's no time that elapses in there. It's a constant. What's next? What's next? What's it's next? It's evolving. Yeah. And yep. figuring out what the market needs. But yep. y'all also put some really innovative stuff in that first one. And we similar did. to stuff we do today, but the yeah. rotating tackle. Yeah. That had to be huge. a huge hit at boat shows when it, y'all first showed up. It was. Everybody talked about that. Lazy Susan. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. that's what everybody called it. And 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 people wanted to see what it, what did that what did that look like? So we opened more center boxes showing that off at shows than anything and taking the the console out removable console console was that had been i picked that i mean because part of the story when we were selling that early on when we brought that out was anybody can do it look i'm doing it you know Mm -hmm. so i'd stand outside the boat and hank take it off and hand it to me and i'd go put it up and bring it back it was light enough that it wasn't a burden for anybody really to do and Mm -hmm. that was the for the first time right and the and then actually the modular console having that all enclosed enclosed yeah I got to imagine at boat shows when you run your hand under there yeah. and not grabbing any wires, people yeah. are just. You totally forget about that. But yeah, that was like. Mind blown. It was absolutely mind blown for people when we did that. So, so when did, uh, so we go to market with the 721. You guys are working on the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Orders start coming in. Mm-hmm. Did you start to, when did you get it? I mean, not that you got breathing room, but the. Oh. When did you start to feel like, okay, this is, this train's moving. We're getting some downward traction now. We're moving. Gosh, I, I not that you're satisfied like, with yeah, it, but just that you I think have some I think everything's a journey. I don't know that there was ever a destination at, at where you mm-hmm. kind of felt like that. Um, but I remember at the first classic in mm-hmm. Shreveport, you know, we we signed up late and and we got a space out in the hallway and um and so so the show was inside these these double doors, right? And it uh, kind of opened up when you walked in there. And there was an escalator coming down on this side. And right there we were. We had, you know, Bass was giving us whatever space they had. Here, we got this corner right here. And we were literally in a corner outside the the show area. And um, But we did, you know, we set up and had three boats that year. And um, I just started, people started coming. Hey, I've heard about, I've heard about you. I want to see the boats. I've heard about mm-hmm. you. And that was kind of, again, not not a destination, but it was a milestone that right. we kind of felt like we had. That first classic. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say, it may, like you said, may may not have been the end of it, but a validity to it. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're real, we're yeah. here, and yep. take a look at it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and some dealers came by, and, and um, Brent Abernathy showed up at that classic and from Ships Marine, and mm-hmm. he, he believed in us, that you know, and just things like that. You definitely remember the milestones of – maybe little small successes and baby steps in the success. Painting a a wall, Kentucky blue, three boats at the Shreveport Classic. I can almost see this timeline just getting getting put out here. Um, So you're at Shreveport, you come back, 
boat orders start to come in a little yep. more mm-hmm. and production's coming up. And then at some point you realize we got to get a bigger place or yeah. rebuild on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for from since that time of getting those orders and we really have had more orders than we've had the ability to build every time we thought we had the capacity, we didn't have mm-hmm. the capacity as it turns out from an order standpoint. So yeah, in 2012, was when we moved to this bought this facility and moved here. But I would say probably in 2010 we started seeing those the constraints really big. Of oh gosh, we're you know we're busting at the seams here. We got to find a bigger place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What was the max capacity in the original plant? You know, um, we were building what thirty no twenty seven boats a week is what we were building. Wow. Um, when we. At, we were at full capacity at that first plant that we were that we rented. So and the um, building kind of choked you down and did. said that's all you get. Totally seven did. boats. Yep. And so we started looking. We you know we thought about expanding that location and looked around and came across this facility that we're in today. Um, it had a fifty thousand square foot building and we needed to build an office, but ten acres. So we knew we had some capability mm-hmm. to expand. So. Um, we made a really good decision when we bought this and renovated um, that and added the office uh, because we moved. We were building seven a week. We moved over here and immediately were able to build ten a week and still had some room to grow. So, right. Yeah. So. And then it steadily grown since then, and yeah. to our we're twenty three a week now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Did you in two thousand seven when y'all started that growth and seeing it unfold in front of you really? Did you think we'd be at 23 a week almost 10 years later? I didn't think we wouldn't, but I, my personality is more to put my head down and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't so much looking up. I had so much going on to do where we were and knew that we weren't, we're behind. You know, every day you're behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you're not getting ahead. And so my, I was really putting my head down, just focusing on how do we get this going? Mm-hmm. How do we get this rolling? I knew we had the potential, um, but we had to get 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 what was in front of us built, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that was my focus. Well, and I think something that's really interesting that a lot of people may not connect or uh, give enough credit to is the fact that when you guys opened Phoenix, it wasn't too long after that. We had the worst economic yes. downturn of my lifetime. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you guys are. Hey, we just opened the doors. We're trying to get some boats out, and here yeah. goes the economy. Yeah. Um, and and everyone says that now. You know, gosh, that was a terrible time to start a boat company. But really, it was probably the best time there ever has been, really, because, we, you know, we started at a time when we didn't know what was going to happen, A, right? So if you knew that was going to happen two years after you started a company, you might not do it. So we didn't know. And, um, and really we were too small to be affected, um, by that in, in a great way. So some of the bigger companies were, you know, tremendously affected by that. Um, but we were small and, and, and getting bigger, but by baby steps, you know, so it just didn't, it didn't affect us in a, in a negative way as did some of the bigger companies. Mm -hmm. So, but it also goes to show that the passion that y'all have, uh, for this industry and for this business. Yeah got you through one of the worst yeah. economic downturns that and you could almost get through anything else now. Yes. Yeah. And it, and I was talking to somebody recently about this cuz it really keeps you grounded when you go through that, right? Mm-hmm. It it keeps you um it, do, it it keeps you focused on keeping things 
in check. Mm-hmm. Don't letting, not letting too much success get away from you and, and you know, making bad decisions. Right. It really focuses you on keeping overhead in line and all those kinds of things that Quality have, up and having all that. been through yeah. that, right? That, uh, yeah. So that's awesome. I think it builds a better company. Some of those experiences. And I always say, I mean, I learn way more from my failures than my successes, but I think that's part of it too. Just what could have been that, mm-hmm. you know, just, we got through a lot. I mean, and certainly there were hard times, but man, I think it makes you stronger. Oh, it does. And it gives you a character to build on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think Tim touched on a uh, hot button word for me uh, when I think about Phoenix and he hit on passion a few minutes ago. Yeah. And I think everyone's passion within this company and especially driven by you and Gary drives what we do every single day. Yeah. It, it pushes us as a company to get better. It pushes us to talk to each other over ideas and how can we come up with the next innovative thing? What's the next tweak? What's the next add-on yeah. um, that makes this the best platform it can be for any angler? Um, can you talk about passion yeah. and what that means to you and Gary? Yeah, yeah. I um, I mean, gosh, that's it's funny because now Gary, every time you meet somebody, one of his first questions is, what's your passion? You know, because it, we don't always think about that. And it's so important. Like Gary is so passionate about bass fishing and has been since he was a kid. Um, I didn't grow up bass fishing, but I grew up fishing. And, mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't a place that we didn't live that my dad didn't take us fishing. So I've been from cat fishing to offshore fishing to trout fishing. Um, it's just a part of our life. And it, and it makes us, I mean, we, fully believe as I'm sure you all do that that's such a quality time spent with your kids and your parents Mm -hmm. or whoever took you fishing first off. So he is very passionate about that. I'm very passionate about people and building things. Um, and so all of that together is, I think a a pretty good recipe, um, for what has grown this company. Oh, it is absolutely. And passion. And I mean, I just think back, uh, when Brian and I were talking earlier, um, about how we kind of got started in this and who took us fishing, uh, right. you know, fishing with your granddad, fishing with your dad, even people have neighbors who have taken them fishing and now they're on the elite series or the yeah. BPT. I mean, it's yes. uh, you see these stories unfold, but it all starts someone going fishing Somebody. and someone, um, you take a pilgrimage every year to the white river. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, I mean, that's just what my dad did. Like mm-hmm. we went, he, he started taking us there every year and it was where we, took his ashes when he passed away. I mean, it, it was just a special time to, to be over there and hanging out with my family and catching fish. And, um, it, it's, it brings people together. I think that mm-hmm. sport more so than anything really does bring people together. So. And now you pass it on to your family, taking yeah. your husband, taking, Bob there and, yep. and introducing him to that. And yep. Took my daughter, um, to Alabama offshore fishing when she was a, high, a senior in high school, just cause I think everybody needs to have that experience. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, have you caught croakers at the Sabine Pass in Texas? I mean, that's I haven't. <laughs> I went to the Sabine one time and I got stuck. So, <laughs> so you're not going back. <laughs> I, did. I was a young college kid thinking, oh, everything's great. You can run anywhere you want and you can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> that place is a little <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> But Brian, your dad did the same thing. I mean, yeah. carried you pretty much in a dang bassinet, wrapped <laughs> yeah. up in some duck waders, either going hunting or, or going fishing in the caney. I mean, he did. And uh, and it's funny because we've even got other friends that are the same way. Um, I've got a great friend of mine that lives in Florida. When his son was a baby, he would literally take him out crappie fishing and have him in a car seat 
and rock him with one foot while he's crappie <laughs> fishing with the other. And, and that's where I'm at. I don't remember a time as a kid you where did. I wasn't hunting and fishing. Yeah. Um, and I hope that my kids feel the same way when they look back when they're older. Yeah. Um, I think that, that transforms our lives, you know, the outdoors. For, and, uh, um, unknown fact, first fishing trip for me on Toledo Bend. So. Really? When I was three or four. I still have that picture. So. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty so, good place to start. Yeah, yeah. So. How many times have you fished Toledo, Brian? Never. <laughs> so that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, but about Phoenix, uh, where do you see? I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, How cool is that? I know. It, it's very cool. I I have so... I. I I want to, Gary and I both really want to create a legacy here. This is not about us. This is about building great company for the n- next generation sitting here in this room um, to carry on. And and so there's so much, we still have so many more things to do. Mm-hmm. We, we haven't, haven't even scratched the surface. We've got some more bass boats to build, but we could certainly go into some other lines as well. Um, walleye and bay boats or what, you know, whatever. The mm-hmm. sky truly is the limit. So we're looking forward to that. That's cool that we still have a blank canvas that, yeah. that's getting written right now. Yep. Um, well, I think we have, uh, Brian and I have talked about, I don't know how to do a podcast, but we thought it's always fun when we sit down at lunch with our pro staff or anybody just asking random questions, mm-hmm. getting to know people. Um, so I think we had a couple of, I think we're going to, what do you think we should call it, Brian? The hot seat? I think that's a pretty good little term. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Hot seat, like getting bumped off of the weigh-in stage or something. Yeah. Well, let's see. What was the first Phoenix boat built? Oh, the 721? Mm-hmm. What was the date of that? I'm sorry. I, uh, I when was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was built in July of 2009. Do you remember what color it was? I do. I, I took a picture of it, of course, Yeah. when it went, when it left the plant, when it was headed out. Um, and it's black and white and red. And I think we're, are we getting it back soon? That's the goal. Yeah. Having the, the first boat we ever built, come, mm-hmm. back, come back home to it. It's right here in Middle Tennessee. And, That's uh, awesome. We should be getting it soon. Yeah. Good. So when you guys left Tullahoma, do you remember how many employees... We had 40, 40, 42 when we left Tullahoma. Okay. What about how many we have today? Oh, 125 today. Just look on top of those numbers. <laughs> She's a people person, Brian. She loves people. <laughs> I know. All right. Who's your favorite? <laughs> yeah. How about that for the people person? <laughs> she it's likes people tie. too much to hurt their feelings. That's right. That. It's totally a tie in this room right now. It's a tie. Tim just threw up an answer that a loser would throw out you know, when they know they're not <laughs> the favorite. Who's your favorite boss? Come on. <laughs> Not fair. Gotta oh. be tea. I mean, <laughs> Gary won't hear this for a while. <laughs> Her favorite has fished Toledo Bend. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. What about a would you rather? Would you rather always be hot or always be cold? Uh, always be cold. I would too. I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> All right. So let's see. We talked about two different universities here. If they're If they're playing each other, which they usually don't, would you go for Alabama or MTSU? Oh, I'm going to have to say MTSU. Yeah. Got to go I for mean, the underdog because they're definitely going to have to go for the underdog. It's our alumni, right, Brian? That's we gotta, right. I mean, you know, we got to we gotta say go Blue Raiders. So. That's right. Would you rather go to a Preds game or a Titans game? Oh, my gosh. Titans. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yeah, I, would, I, sure. I love to go to the Preds game, so I thought <laughs> Preds. Yeah. Oh, let's see here. Who was the? Who's your favorite person to play a Bass and Birdie tournament with? Okay, that's a good one. Okay, Bass and Birdies, the golf tournament at ICAST in July. I've played with lots of people. I'm going to have to say, 
Joe from Toho Marine is he's really fun to play bass yeah. and birdies with. I just gotta give him credit where credit's due. In that format, is it more important to have a good golfing partner or someone that can catch them when they get to the pond? The problem is I've not had anybody play with me that could catch them when they got to the pond. So <laughs> maybe you need to start I, fishing. <laughs> I to, I've got to do something different with the team. So um would you rather have sandals or tennis shoes? And you can only wear one for the rest of your life. Sandals, 100%. Okay. I mean, you just asked somebody that, that literally walked uphill both ways in the snow and in Alaska growing up. So <laughs> she can handle the sandals in Tennessee. Thanks yeah. for putting that in there for me, Brian. I really wanted to tell that story about right. walking uh, to school both ways in the snow uphill. And I came home for lunch, too. So does that, I mean, that's a whole lot of trips. That was four times. We didn't have cafeterias mm-hmm. in really? school back then, no. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Was it, how big a school was it? It's small. I mean, it was a small base. So, mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, that also meant that the house wasn't that far away, too. Right. So. What's your favorite thing to have for lunch? When, what are you talking about? Just eat in general. What's now, your favorite thing for lunch? Um, You know, what we do here, I kind of like a salad and some deli meat. Mm-hmm. So. That's a good thing. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know or haven't been by for lunch, we uh, <laughs> Gary and Teresa do buy lunch for us every week, and we all get to sit and kind of catch up, unwind, but it also gives us a impromptu meeting sometime, yeah. and it does help us all stay on the same page for sure. Does, and anybody's welcome to join us. We like it when folks yeah. show up that 1130. That don't know. Yeah, 1130 <laughs> every day, except Friday <laughs> except when we Friday. go out. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have a crowded house here soon. <laughs> Or the Friday before any holiday, you can also join us at the plant for lunch. We try to feed the entire plant um, every time we have a holiday here. So, And if you fun. guys have never had Greg Strom's barbecue True. or Miss Barbara's hash brown casserole, yep. you are missing out. You yeah. are. Or Miss Barbara's desserts of yes, any form. of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that means come for the kids' Christmas party, kids' Easter party, because you can have some of her delicious mm-hmm. sugar cookies, yeah. too. Yep. Well, I know... Um, uh, one thing that I've learned that I just kind of want to touch on while we've got you in the room, um, things that we've learned from you and from Gary along the way, I know one of our biggest things with Phoenix is quality. And yeah. we aim to have the top quality no matter what. We set the bar. Um, and, and we expect it out of each other as yeah. well as all of our products. And so the tangible side of that to me we talk about are the parts, the people, and the processes. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people can relate to, but I think the intangible side of it that we may not have ever talked about is – some keywords to me that mean a lot about this company and it's belief, loyalty, and passion. Yeah. And I think that if you balance that equation with the tangibles and the intangibles, you get to where we are today. Yeah. Um, and so, well said, Brian. <laughs> you know, I can write some press you if needed. Can. Yeah. Well but, said. but I think that is something that you guys have taught us and yeah. uh, continue to show us on a daily basis and um, leads to the success and, and where we're sitting today. Yeah, absolutely. People are, um, my passion for sure. I, um, and I, I always want to be a better leader. I, I, I hope that I can pass on some of that um, because, again, it's about creating a legacy. It's not um, just about being here and gone. You know, I want to leave something that is better than we ever thought it could possibly be. So mm-hmm. uh, I am passionate about believing in each other and um, passing on that. So anything we can pass on to show, show the next generation of leaders how to do what we've done so well i can definitely say for all of us we appreciate it and yeah. we appreciate all the hard work you and gary have done uh, to this you. point this mm-hmm. is exciting i mean this is another milestone we're gonna look back on tim and say <laughs> here we were remember when i need to write um, this down just in case i get in the hot seat sometime <laughs> 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 but you also hit on loyalty and mm-hmm. loyalty is uh i think it very i think that's very important yeah. um and i think that goes with quality 
you're loyal mm-hmm. to the quality of a product. Yeah. You're loyal to the people behind it and the people here. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that it's almost like integrity. It's something that once you lose it, yes, very difficult to get, to back. get back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I I can say that we have the most loyal team I've ever seen um, in any position at any company I've been at or in this industry. I they really care about what we do here on a daily basis, whatever job it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that we have in this company really care, and that's you can't buy that. You mm-hmm. can't. You can't make it up. It just is or is, is it isn't. So being loyal um, is just a, a trait that we either have or don't or feel about a company or people mm-hmm. we work with or not. So No, oh, it is. And it's nice to not look over your shoulder. Right. And worry about getting right. stabbed in the back for right. someone to get a, a leg up. Right. No. Absolutely. Everybody's going the same direction for yep. sure. Yes. Well, if we can't get out of here to go fishing, can I have, <laughs> can I have Monday off? <laughs> we really need you to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's pushing it. He hasn't got fired today. So I know. We could do that on air. It's true. You know? That hasn't happened today. That yeah. would be a good milestone. First podcast and first on-air firing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead and pack it up. But you know, as they say, I'm pretty quick to hire you back. So yes, yeah, I am appreciative of that. <laughs> that is a, my first firing here was over text. And I was living in Nashville and I was driving in and I was like, and Teresa's one rule is if I don't care if you're late, just let me know. Right. And I, I was like, okay. I'm going to be five minutes late, but I'm going to say it because it was if I am not there and she beats me there, I'm fired. <laughs> so I text her. I said, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late. And she goes, fired in all caps, which in my mind, when I read that text, you're fired. <laughs> I'm in 85 on 24. Are you serious? <laughs> and my response is like, no, if I'm going to fire you, I'll do that in person. That's right. <laughs> Not be so my I got my job then. for another week. <laughs> and you guys have a texting relationship. I mean, I think he's told oh. you he loves you before yeah, on text. Yeah, he did by yeah. accident, y'all. He says it was by accident. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody I, read your text before you send them. Yes. That's Do not the tell your pe- boss you love her. Public service announcement mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. Don't send I love you to your boss. No, especially when she just texted you, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, we got. I'm sure we got a couple more boats to get out, but we yeah. really appreciate you uh, being the driving factor behind this company, Thank behind you. this podcast. Uh, we're excited for what this holds, and uh, hopefully, Brian and I can equal the amount of equipment in here as far as our talent level. I I think you do. I'm gonna say well, you hey, guys are. Let's just quit now. <laughs> we're let's not go backwards. Let's quit now. You guys are the best. Well, so. we appreciate it. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. time out and. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Thanks, Deke.